Hi there, this is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstart Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is Stephen Campbell, a domain investor turned domain developer of FlipWebDomains.com, NoCodeMakers.com, and the recently launched VirtualGhostWriter.com. Today, Stephen and I discuss the economic challenges of buying and selling domains while residing in Jamaica. We also discuss how he got his start into the domain industry and what it was like working at Epic as a territory manager. Steven also shares why and how he chose to pivot from domain investing to domain developing for now. Last but not least, Steven reveals how recently launching a monthly recurring subscription business for ghostwriting services, all while having not written one line of code. And so with that, Steven, welcome and thank you for making time to join us today. Alvin, thanks for having me. It's so great to be here. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on your podcast. Likewise, likewise. Thanks for coming on to share your story. So to kick things off, Stephen, briefly share at a high level with our listeners a bit about yourself, who you are, your personal, professional background. So as you introduced, I'm Stephen Campbell, born, bred Jamaican, (laughs) uh, (laughs) chemical and process engineer, Bachelor of Science. That's my degree program. Not sure what I'm doing on your podcast, but that's where it it is. You know, uh, three years in the process industry, you know, transition from that, left that to pursue this dream of internet entrepreneurship, working from home. There must be something out there. What is it? So I left that and stumbled onto domain names as the first thing that I saw on the web that could possibly an avenue to, to make money online. Interesting. So how did you make or when did you make that pivot from, I guess, the process engineering or the chemical engineering background to domain names? Like what year was that? So in late 2018, uh, I was working still in the process industry and, you know, had this overwhelming feeling that, you know, there was something more out there. Started doing some research online, you know, how, how do you make money online? What, what is it? Stumbled onto e-commerce, you know, drop shipping, selling stuff, selling products online. But, you know, being in Jamaica, there would be a shipping challenge. Buying products, storing it here, carrying it into Jamaica, and then shipping it again overseas. Or even drop shipping where some persons would, would have you to hold inventory. Or you'd need some amount of capital or you need some amount of development background to get started with dropshipping. So stumbled onto this website, nichepursuit.com, nichepursuit.com. Ah, Spencer Haas. Yeah, yeah. And this guy had an article, how to make money selling domain names. And, you know, I was familiar with the concept of domain names. I registered a domain name while in, you know, university thinking to start a chemical ebook selling website. Didn't know the first thing about <laughs> websites, but I registered chemebooks.info. And, you know, that's how I came across the concept of domain names. But back to the blog post that I read, he was saying, you know, uh, you can register domain names, put it on a marketplace and sell them. And in that post, they were quoting some crazy figures, you know, <laughs> Different domain names that, that sold, sex.com, corner.com, property.com. You know, some of these big names that sold for, for a lot of money. So I was saying, hey, maybe this is a possibility. So 
I started to think about how I could register a few domain names and sell them before morning. So I got on to GoDaddy, signed up, and I registered a domain name based on what I was passionate about at the time. That was, you know, machine learning, AI, and I thought it was trending, you know. So maybe, maybe someone else would have thought of this idea. So I went ahead and I registered neural networks and machine learning dot com that's a long domain and i was like you know any moment now somebody will want to buy this from me any moment now so that that's where it started with with my first registration and seeing that blog post online well did that any moment ever come or are we still waiting for that thing to sell <laughs> that, that name expired long time ago. <laughs> uh so you you let that little birdie fly away then yeah that one that one got away so moving from there, so when it didn't sell, I guess, kind of what was your, your thought process? Did you go out and buy more domains or was it, you know, what was your thought process? So by this time, I was, you know, looking for, you know, some guidance on domain names. Somebody must have done it before. I looked on Amazon and I found an ebook, uh, How to Get Rich uh, Selling Domain Names. And I, you know, bought that that ebook for a few dollars and it mentioned a few names you know rick Schwartz, frank schilling you know uniregistry and all these guys the melon guy right you know, guys from the ebook and you know I, I i set out to find them what what were they doing online today so i stumbled onto rick on twitter and i got into the domain investing community on twitter and by by this time i found out that my strategy was kind of off. <laughs> so, so I had, by that time, I registered quite a few uh, other, other names. And, you know, my strategy was off. So I kind of took a pause early 2019 now. And I'm taking a pause on domain names and fully transitioning from my job now and go, going into WordPress site development. So that same neural networks and machine learning.com uh that was still in the first year and i built a wordpress site on top of it and uh-huh. you know that was a process of learning wordpress you know using elementor and you know these these nice themes so there was some amount of fun that i got from that so it was no domain names and wordpress site development that i had on my belt under my belt learning domain names you now from the from the community on twitter now, how did you go about learning? I mean, I know, I guess, were you engaging on Twitter? Now, did you, had you stumbled up on name pros by then or other blogs? Definitely. I uh, saw DN Forum, name pros, a lot of the other registrars, you know, popular registrars had representatives, you know, Cedar had like uh, Dave and he had Morgan and all these guys writing blog posts. Yourself, I found you eventually as well. And I, 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 I stumbled onto quite a few domain name websites and not many podcasts uh, were around at the time. I didn't hear any content, but, you know, I saw domain name Wire and all these popular guys and I started reading. So, mm. you know, listening to these guys passively and, and uh, you know, you know, every, every domain I start posting the names on Twitter, like, you know, buy from me. I, I still have an email that has not yet been sent. And it's, it's to domainking at gmail.com. 
And I was like, hey, I'm a young investor. You're going to buy this name from me. But the email has not yet been sent. So it's <laughs> trying to get these investors to buy names from me, thinking that any day now someone is going to buy one of these names on Twitter. Now, you know, most domain investors will typically, if they, obviously you ran out and you did the very thing that most of us go do when we first start, which is we start buying names and things that we think sound good, look good. And and sometimes we get it right. And a bunch of times we get it wrong. Now, in your case, though, like, like I was saying, I was going more towards the side of most domain investors will typically start a bit closer to home, so more local. But in your case of having been based in Jamaica, now you you have some economic challenges that, that are there that don't necessarily work to your advantage uh, because not many people actually use a domain there, right? So, so that's the thing. I, it, it became very clear to me that uh, a majority of the space was controlled by the USA. You know, and, and, and a simple thing as Google Analytics pointed to it, if you set up a random WordPress site, a majority of the traffic will come from USA. And, mm. you know, searching different forums from Jamaica, I wasn't seeing anybody talking about domain names. I even did a, a deep dive on Google to find Jamaican domain, Jamaican domain names, and I wasn't finding anything until I stumbled onto this old tech forum and i saw this one guy talking about domain names found him on twitter found him on linkedin and i said hey we're gonna do this thing you know but i found out that he was in the domain industry maybe in the early 2000s he sells domains passively and you know not really into the space and this was the only guy i knew so i kind of felt on my own what became clear to me as well was that brand awareness in terms of naming companies and naming a website, it wasn't very important in, in Jamaica because why I say that is this, I'm sure you have some Jamaican listeners. Whenever you have a company name, the name is there. For example, Jamaican clothing, you won't be able to get jamaicanclothing.com. So you get jamaicanclothingja.com. So I saw a lot of that are jamaicanclothingjm.com. It became clear that domain names weren't the first thing. You wouldn't spend $100, 100 US dollars on a domain name as a Jamaican. If you can't register it, it's, it's, a, it's gone. So I was in a space by myself and I was, a, I was wanting to prove that it was possible to sell domain names as a Jamaican and then, you know, show others how to do it. Right. Now, did you try or have any attempts at trying to sell, for instance, like geoservice names? So like I live in Austin and let's say something like Austin Tax Expert or austintaxexperts.com. Did you try to uh, do something or, or sell in a way that was more, I guess, local focused? I never tried that because growing up, and just the knowledge of the culture and how we mm. are. And we are not very much into the digital space. Contacting somebody randomly online or even seeing them face to face and saying, I'm going to sell you a domain name. It just seemed absurd. And then to ask a price, say I'm asking a thousand US dollars. Ah. That's about a hundred and say a hundred and fifty thousand dollars locally. And, you know, some persons get 
that has a full month's salary. You know, to ask that was kind of absurd. So I never went that route. So I, my target audience was American, Europeans, you know, even Chinese in the Chinese market. So that became my target audience. Wow. So then the local the local economy, the door was kind of shut there because of just cultural differences, um, just monetary differences yeah. or challenges. And so then obviously you went out, you purchased these domains. Then I guess, how did you get or try to break into the U.S. market? The first the first name I got an inquiry on was browsertraffic.com. Nice. Right? Browser traffic, I re- hand registered that in the first few, few months and put it on CEDO. I got an inquiry from a Chinese person. It, it was actually an inquiry to, to purchase, but it never went through. So I said, okay, there's interest. Somebody else <laughs> must need this name. Right. So I went on to eBay, posted the name on eBay, put it up for a few dollars, and it sold, I think, Close to expire, it sold about ten dollars or something like that. And wow! I was like, yeah, ten dollars. There's a few cents on registration. That's profit. I must be able to sell a hundred dollar name. So that was the first proof that it was possible, right, to get right. a greater sale. Now, during the time that you're, I guess, testing. Now, did you have a daytime job during that time, or were you just full in domain investing? So this was me breaking into the online space and being convinced that, hey, I want to get a start in domain names. And it was possible because I see these sales being reported every day on Twitter. <laughs> Somebody selling something for four figures. That's going to be me one of these days. You know, but being six months in, not making anything significant, I started to question it. But I wasn't doing anything else. I had savings from my previous job and I was living from that and I was doing some amount of investment. You know, I made a decision that maybe I should develop one of these names, try the dropshipping thing. I did maternitymatters.com, my wife and myself. Ah. So we developed that site to break into the maternity industry, you know, as a dropshipper. We, we got the name from Afternick. You know, spent a good investment right. on that name, you know, did the site, reached out to some suppliers and actually got some persons on board. But what happened was that we didn't do enough research in the space. So we were contacting other Americans and they were saying, hey, we would prefer if you have a brick and mortar setup so you could buy enough inventory or you know, branding. Yeah, they wanted you to carry the inventory. They wanted you to yeah. take on more expense. Yeah, so they say, hey, we, we already have our brand out there. You need to do something. So that kind of went on pause after a while. So that became confusing. So how do I earn sitting on these domain names? This site that I just made an investment in not working out, you know, what to do next? So I started searching for a job after that, online uh-huh. job. And so you search for an online job. Now, did you go back to the process engineering or what did you do or what were you exactly looking for? So I was searching locally as well, made a number of applications, even in you know, many countries across the world. Mm. But I said, maybe 
I have this experience in domain names, e-commerce. I can build WordPress sites, maybe apply for online job to, you know, work from home. Right. I kind of started sending out applications and, you know, getting email addresses. And there was this one Telegram channel that we were in, you know, it, it's run by Daryl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, from Twitter. And in the talk group, we had Rob Monster. I found out he was the CEO of Epic. So I reached out to him in chat. I said, hey, I have this name. I want you to help me to sell. You're the CEO of a registrar. Uh, it, was a, it was a first name, last name. And when I sent him the name, he said, hey, I know this person. You know, let me try to sell the name for you. And it didn't work. So I said, okay, I have skills. I, I've been in the industry a while. I have this site, flipwebdomains.com. I write blogs. You know, I have built a couple of WordPress sites. I will work for you. I like the vision at Epic. You know, I've seen you guys on Name Pros. I, I realize you want some brand ambassadors, uh, country managers. Let me work for you. And he asked me to send him an email. I sent an email. And within a few days, I got the job. You know, I got the job working at Epic and the title was Territory Manager of the Americas. So then kind of expound on that a, a little bit. Like what does, because I see the title from time to time with different people, whether it's in, you know, name pros or on LinkedIn. Like what does a territory manager actually do at Epic? The vision of Epic is to take the company global. Every service that they offer, they want everybody to be able to, you know, make use of the services, you know, whether it's hosting, you know, free WordPress, domain name management, you know, a lot of services that they do offer. It's challenging for someone in, say, let, let's say a third world country to, to make use of that service. Mm. The, the vision was to try to get global reach. So the responsibility is to find persons who would need to use services from Epic and get them on board, or persons who are already using Epic services in regions, for say my region, Haiti had a few persons. Jamaica had, a, had very few persons who registered domain names. But to get these persons engaged, offer them services and get more persons on board, you know, like engagement, you know, onboarding um, customers and, you know, and ensure that they are happy. Right. And so you started that position, I guess, at what, the beginning of 2020? Yeah. In January, at the end of January 2020, I started uh, at Epic in that position. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, and then obviously COVID hit. And so I guess I, now, were you impacted by that or were you able to stay on or? Massively impacted by that because we had a plan, a 90 day plan to roll out a lot of programs in Jamaica to get Jamaica engaged, and it would have required some underground work. But COVID hit, you know, by March, thereabout, a lot of the travel was restricted, and, you know, a lot of fear-mongering was happening, and it kind of shifted things. So, you know, that plan got messed up, but I decided that maybe, although that's not working out, there's more I could offer. So I got into customer support at Epic and made myself available to work, you know, five days a week, about seven hours per day, just, you know, helping out with customer support while still seeing what I could do as a territory manager. 
Awesome. Now, how much did you learn about the business and did it impact your ability or level you up in terms of a domain investor? So, so being in the, the back end kind of changed my mind completely on what was possible on the internet. Like, how so? It, it's, it's, it's mind blowing because when you see, when you see regular persons, regular people, because, you know, as a customer support person, when you see big transactions, you want to know, you know, who, who is this person? And you know, some of them are on social media. Some of them are on LinkedIn. And you talk to them in chat and they, you know, you have a good engagement and they say, hey, let's connect. And, you know, a part of managing customers is keeping them engaged. And these regular people have these massive deals. And it happens every day. It's a world that is hidden from the average person. And it's simply domain names, you know, being a part of helping with escrow transactions, you know, brokering and so on. You know, you see things that kind of let you feel that what you were doing before was nothing. <laughs> you're, you're, you're actually doing nothing. <laughs> you know, work, going out to work is good and it fulfills uh, the purpose for which you studied and it, it aligns with your passion. Right. But you will never be able to see income in that, no matter how high you go as a CEO, even if you reach this level of a CEO, you'll never be able to see income like these guys <laughs> who have some amount of knowledge about stuff that you don't. And it was, it was really amazing. So that changed my mind on what was possible. And got me thinking maybe I could do something like this. Maybe it was possible to actually work from home and make a decent enough income to sustain me. I guess during this time, like how large or how large was or how large is your portfolio today? So today I have about 200, a little over 200 names. Most of them hand registrations. I've acquired a couple here and there from investors, you know, bought a few of some marketplaces. But a little over 200 names uh, currently managed, managed all over the place. I've managed to sell a few, you know, none of them exceeding $1,000 yet. I've, I've gotten pretty close up there. I've sold a name for, for $800 once. And, you know, that kind of opened my mind. I, I hand registered the name and within seven days, seven to 14 days, it was sold. You know, so and was that doing outbound? That wasn't outbound. So I had up a landing page, and you know, it just sold overnight. I just woke up and saw the sale. <laughs> you had to buy it now, sell then. Yeah, so it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. So <laughs> that's what I'm working with now. He's like, bring me more of those sales, please, and thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, says every domain investor. So. With what you were able to to see, obviously, in terms of your your time there at Epic, which you're no longer there, but how has that impacted how you go forward, your thought process in which in terms of purchasing domains today? Has it changed quite drastically? And if so, how? Okay, so it became obvious that my strategy was all wrong. I have 200 names. I, I wouldn't say they're all worthless, but I would say it would take a long time for them to sell with sizable value. Take mm. quite a long time. And I, I initially, you know, before I had some of 
what of an outbound strategy, so I'd reach out to companies and so on. But being at Epic and see, seeing what happened and, you know, talking to a few investors, you know, reading stuff and seeing what they are doing, my strategy kind of changed. So I, I just settled on the view that, hey, these names won't sell right now. Try to find another way of getting an income. And then registrations cost money. Right. You need to renew names. The, the good ones, that, the ones that I thought were good and the ones that I still think are very good, I have to renew them. Not being at Epic, where Epic was, was providing that income to balance my portfolio, it presented a new problem. So I, I was thinking, what should I do? I'm sold on domain names. I, I know that domain names can bring that income, but how do I get the better domain names? How do I get the capital to get those better domain names? Because my strategy is off. Hand registration names are worth something, yes. But not like what we're seeing every day. <laughs> you know, you won't, I, I, it's my belief that you won't necessarily sell hand registrations at a turnover in terms of the price that would, you know, be sizable unless you have a very large portfolio. And then the expenses with that is, you know, very hard to manage. So I had a capital problem. And I, I need, and I needed to solve that. Ah, so the capital problem. So, so essentially you, you stepped in with hand registrations and then as you've alluded to now, it, it, it became a, a capital problem. Yeah. And so that basically shut the door or rather uh, kept you, held you back from actually participating in some of the domain auctions, because we all know these auctions that are starting at 50, 60, $75 are getting into the hundreds or thousands um, in certain cases. And so you couldn't necessarily play the game there. And so with the hand the hand is really uh, a longer game uh, yeah. to a certain extent. Um, if you're, especially if you're not going to do outbound, if you're going to do buy it now, yeah, you, you essentially at the mercy of waiting for the right buyer to come along. And so then I guess knowing that, okay, well, right now I'm not going to be able to do domain investing or I just kind of hold what I have. Right. You obviously have, you know, to support you, your wife, your family. And so the reality is like, what did that lead you to do next? So I did a lot of thinking what am I doing with myself? You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm an engineer. You know, should I go back out to work? Uh, you know, what should I really do? And all this time, I, I, I haven't closed the door on any of the, the options right. that could have presented themselves. But I was thinking, you know, why not use the skills that I have? What skills? do I have to offer that someone would find valuable? Someone would pay me money for that. And then I was on Twitter one day and <laughs> I saw a domain sale reported. The name wasn't given, but uh, a guy said, I sold a no-code related domain name for $3,500. I was like, okay, what's no-code? I've never heard that before. So I did some Google search, went into, you know, Google keyword tool and tried to find out what this no code was. And I, <laughs> I thought that it was a, this was a booming industry, but I've never heard any domain investor talk about no code. 
are, are talk about selling a no-code name. So I was like, this guy is outside of the industry and he's selling it. I'm ahead of the game. These domain investors don't know about no-code. So I better register, I better register some no-code related domain name. So I started doing a little bit more research on what no-code was. I saw them on Twitter. I realized they call themselves, themselves makers. I was seeing a lot of hashtags, no code makers, hashtag no code. So I went to look for this name, no code makers.com, realized that it was registered, had a done landing page up. And, you know, I just reached out. I want this name because this name is probably one of the better names in that industry. And, you know, just remembering, you know, a tweet from Rick that said, if you have a name that is valuable, in a particular industry, you get a seat at the table. So th this name is not the best name, but I know it's worth a seat at the table. Right. Yeah. So, so this guy was selling the name for, you know, a little over $100. Eventually, um, we negotiated and he told me that he had a previous offer just the same week. And that kind of motivated me like crazy. To, to get the name. And that's the next point I learned about domain investing. I sold a name after that. And someone came in and said, hey, I want to buy this name. And I told the person, I have previous interest, which I did. And the person went at the name very quickly, just as oh, I was going at this name. So eventually I acquired the name and just set up a Twitter page, No Code Makers. And followers started to come in and I started to study this space to see what this no code space was about and you know found out that I was already doing no code I was developing WordPress sites without writing code it was on WordPress I wasn't using these other tools but that's the definition of what I am I'm a maker a no code maker so I said I found it. This is, this is it. This is what I have to do to generate capital to get the domain names that I need. So then this no code notion then, so one, we, uh, I just kind of work in simple blocks here, but it, I look and say, okay, well, Steven doesn't have a background of software development. So I'm assuming that's where the no code part comes in. But then the maker part is very much like you alluded to is you're creating websites or applications of some sort without ever having coded. But then in my mind, I'm saying, well, wait, is that even possible? And obviously you're telling me, yes, it is because people are out here doing it. It's a whole industry there. And so how does no code work? Right. So that's an interesting question. So how the web works is you have to have code. Someone does the coding. Right. So you have editors and app builders and WordPress is you know, a blog site. Someone does the coding, but not you, the creator. Ah, so you so then let me ask you this: Are you talking more about like drag and drop widgets and workflows and different things like that? Precisely, precisely. So no code in a sense that. It's not that no code happened. It's just that the person with the idea who can clearly, you know, I wouldn't say articulate, but can clearly express 
right. that idea, they can do it without having to think about the hurdle of learning to code. So some code happens, but it's not me. And I find that that is very valuable because if I can code, I'm already limited because learning something keeps me in a box. You know, I want to do it like this. I have to do it like this. Bam, this is the this is how the documentation says, bam, bam, bam. You don't do this. You don't do that. But a creator kind of says, okay, this doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I just need this tool to do it. And what you'll find happening is that some amazing creations and ideas come out that I would say a non-creative person and a more technical person wouldn't be able to express very well. So then you, you buy nocodemakers.com and then what happens? So I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter managing my domain name account, you know, kind of on sabbatical with domain names and, and studying <laughs> this, this, this um, no-code space. And something crazy happened. I reached to about 200 plus followers, 300 followers. And I get an inquiry. Somebody's asking me to do marketing. So I'm just checking, is this paid marketing? And I say, yes, we'll pay you. You know, so, okay, I'm a social media manager now. I got paid to send tweets out and to retweet someone else's post. And when I checked it out, I had less followers than that company. And it was crazy because is it that the name No Code Makers and just you know, tweeting on Twitter, getting familiar with the space and having engagement and getting the impressions on my tweets, that has now become valuable to somebody. And I mm. now have a seat at the table. No, I'm not inside. I wouldn't say I was inside the no-code space per se, but kind of on the fringes, seeing what was possible. And then I stumbled onto an app bubble. And because I, I kind of had some friction because I knew WordPress I'm telling myself that, yes, I'm a no-code maker. I know WordPress very well. I can give you an e-commerce site. I can do a personal profile page. I'll stick to WordPress and still be a part of this no-code space. But I saw a person talking about this bubble. So I signed up for bubble, realized that it's a, a paid thing. You can't launch an app with a domain name itself without paying. So I said, hey, let me apply to their you know, Immerse program. I did. wasn't successful, but they say, Stephen, Use the app for free on the personal plan, the paid plan for two months. And I thought that this has to be an opportunity to build something meaningful. So you're managing the account for no code makers. You're getting people basically coming, coming up to you. And now you've become a digital strategist or digital marketing strategist. You're now making money tweeting, retweeting, posting everything to the account. And then now had you built a website for nocodemakers.com or? It was right. just strictly Twitter. So I actually built a, a, you know, a minimum viable product with WordPress on nocodemakers.com. So I saw that there was a lot of questions being asked because you know, no code was around a little bit, but a lot of persons started coming on and you know, COVID kind of caused that. Right. A lot of persons were asking questions. So wh- and I, I've been on no- name pros, you know, I've seen Dan Forum. You know, maybe a forum would be helpful. So I found, you know, a decent theme just to test the waters to see what would happen. You know, built that site, you know, got a few signups, 
one person made a post and I saw value in community, value in, you know, fielding questions and answers and had the website up, but it wasn't quite taking off. Persons weren't quite signing up as I wanted them to. So I realized that they prefer Twitter. So then no code makers then basically, even though you, you set it up, you set it up as a forum, but it hasn't really realized you rather any revenue as of yet, or not as much revenue, if any, as the no code makers Twitter account. Correct. But then you said that you stumbled up on bubble and right. what was interesting. I remember in our pre-conversation, you were like bubble. And I was like, man, bubble that resonates with me for some reason and come to find out I'd actually stumbled up on bubble.io probably about four to five months ago, just in a different direction with a a client who was basically, they were asking little did I realize they were asking really about to become a no code maker to get this idea out of their head into a workable prototype. And so I was just searching, 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 ran across bubble.io. And so that's kind of where your same story picks up. And so you stumble across bubble.io and kind of what happens from there. So I'm the type that likes to tinker. I don't like (laughs) to read any documentation. I don't like to watch any tutorials. I just want to go on and expect it to be, you know, intuitive. Right. So I went on there and, you know, I was stumped. I I couldn't <laughs> do anything, but I there's this 12 part tutorial that they have that gives you an idea how to build different app concepts. So you could build a picture uploading app, and they they take you through with illustrations. So I went through the 12 part tutorial, and I was like, I could do this. I know domain names. I'm gonna build a no code related domain name marketplace somewhat where these no-code makers have these domain names, um, ideas, that, and they have the ideas and they register these domain names, but they, nothing is built on them. Right. I'm going to leverage that with my knowledge of domain names. So I registered no-code.domain, and I built my first bubble application, which is just a list of domain names submitted by you know, random persons with no-code-related domain names. And you are able to inquire or get in contact with the owner through the, the, through the platform. So I'm, I stand in the middle as somewhat of a broker, you know, for privacy reasons, you know, and I see inquiries coming, I come in, I see persons submit domain names, and I learned a whole lot from that. So I built my first app, launched it, and to, this, to date, I have 64 domain name submissions. And it's growing. I have several inquiries through the site. And, you know, one sale came through the site. You know, I got in touch with a, a guy that held a domain name, nocodenoproblem.com. That was a Twitter handle for someone else. I, I did a search on Twitter and realized he was looking for the domain. So I connected the two and the sale went through um, via Dan. Yeah, I made, I made some, some commission here, but it was just a few dollars. You know, so I had to build something a little bit more impactful, a little bit more meaningful that could generate some good income. Right. So then this is interesting because I'm looking at it, nocode.domains. And so you have the domains listed and looks like there is a voting system 
of your either upvoting or downvoting a domain in terms of popularity, which I think is clever because obviously that's moving uh, the good domains, if you will, up, up to the top or those that, that, that receive a lot of interest. And I'm assuming here that you can likely email the, the contact or contact domain owner. Now, how does the domain owner, I guess, get back in contact with the person? So how it works, no, it's not automated. I still put myself in the middle because, you know, privacy. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have a privacy form to say that. I, ha I don't have those terms yet. Right. So I'm Got not going to share the, the owner's email address right. with the person inquiring. So I'll stay in the middle. So I get those inquiries and then I reach out to the owner and say, hey, someone is interested. Here's, here's what you can do. I can give you the contact with their permission, and you pay me a commission up front, or we can do a brokering. Ah, a see. Negotiation. You understand? So, so that's the business model behind it. Okay. And so then you build this no-code site, but you were still itching to build something else. So kind of how, how did you get involved into this next domain development? Yeah, so from that, uh, I, I was looking for trends. I, I'm the type that I don't like to just build for building's sake, to, to learn. I, I stumble upon a huge roadblock whenever I'm just trying to build to learn. I have to be building something that is relevant, something that I'm saying my time will be well spent. So I was looking for what to do. And in that time, I had applied for OpenAI's beta program to get GPT-3 access. And just around the time that I was tinkering with Bubble, it came through. Wow, you know, talking about impeccable timing. In, right. And I had an epiphany. No code will be that much more powerful if AI was involved, right? Mm. And then okay. I started going after that concept. And I saw a few no-code businesses going into the AI space. But it wasn't like how I had thought they would, you know, in that no-code democratizes technology, but these no-code applications still had somewhat of a hurdle. You still had to learn something. You still had to integrate right. something, you know? So I was like, the future of AI is no-code. When AI comes into the hands of an average citizen and they can manipulate AI, without knowing machine learning or code, right? So I wanted to marry the two. So GPT-3 access, no code, what do I do? Bubble allows me to call APIs. So I set out on a journey to figure out how to get this done. I thought it would have been extremely difficult. Within one day, <laughs> within one day, I built an app completely with, with OpenAI's API. So let's go back. So you got open API. So you have the open API. Uh, what is it? G, what did you say it was? G GPT-3. G who? GPT-3. GPT-3. My goodness. Lord, <laughs> say that like 50 times fast. I'm a, I can't even say it once. Um, so, so you get this. So you got open API. You also have uh, bubble. And you know that you have two unique things that can likely integrate together. But then how did you wind up on virtual ghostwriting? Like, where does that concept come from? Or what? Or did Bubble or uh, OpenAPI, did it lead you to think that? Okay, so 
in, in connecting the API to bubble, I had to do a little reading. This is, I hate to mm. do it, but I <laughs> had to do a little reading. And I went into OpenAI's documentation and I saw that they offered you know, text completion. What could I build around text completion? Everybody knows about chatbot. Right. You know, you, you, you're chatting to you know, a bot that has been trained on the company policies. You know, they have information. But wouldn't it be great if in building a website, I have the copy for the website generated for me? I'm a builder. I don't like to think about copy. And mm. I, I, I write blogs on flip web domains. Right. And, you know, that writer's block, when you just type in the title and you're like, <laughs> no, what, what should be the first word? He said like, the struggle's real. <laughs> yeah, I Google something. And I was like, maybe this thing can generate articles. Maybe it can generate blogs. So I was like, copywriter. You know, I'll, I'll call it a copyright. But moving past that, I was saying, you know, pushing, pushing the idea, maybe it could generate an entire book. Maybe AI will reach to a point where an entire book is generated just feeding a couple of concepts. And I, w- I, was, I, I went to Google and like, I was like, what do you call something that writes a book for you? Ghostwriter. Ghostwriter. I never knew that existed. So I was saying, okay, I'm the first one to know about this. You know, there are, few, there are probably a few ghostwriters out there. You know, let me just register ghostwriter.something. And I was surprised to see that ghostwriter was very popular. Yeah. And actually, and- it, it's been around. It's been around <laughs> offline for quite a while because there have been many books that have been written by ghostwriters, you know, uh, people paying other people to take their journal and turn it into a book or take their half written thoughts or even um, completed thoughts and turning it into a book or book or so. So this is interesting. So then you enter, you intersect uh, at, at ghostwriter online. And then what was your next thought once you figured out, oh, people have been registering ghostwriter.com and so yeah. on, you know, different variations. I'm, I'm not- my domain name brain kind of kicked in. I wanted the best domain name. But, but you know, I, I didn't have the capital to buy the, the right name. So I was like, I know about exactmatch.com. Mm-hmm. You know, let me try it, digitalghostwriter.com. Mm-hmm. That was taken. So I said, okay, virtual has seen a lot of sales in 2020. See a lot of virtual registration virtualghostwriter.com. It's a .com, um, three words, yes, a little bit long, but persons would remember it. Right. Yeah, and, and so I registered the name, $9. Back to Hanridge. <laughs> back to hand registration. And, and, and going back to domain names, this shows me that stepping out of the community for a while and developing a tool, my first thought is not to buy the premium name. Mm. When I generate enough income, I'll buy the premium name. But it's uh-huh. never the, the first thought, you know, being without capital. That's right. an important point to me. Yeah. And you're it's just a, trying to get a name that's good enough to prove yeah. the concept. Yeah. And I'm a domain investor. Would I even be able to sell virtual ghost writer, you know? True. About that. So I hand registered the name and, you know, put it on top of the app. And I did a soft launch on Twitter. I ensured that I monetized it upfront because I wanted to prove that, you know, maybe this concept was valuable. 
But now, I mean, how did you determine how did you determine the pricing though for that monetization of the tool? On Twitter, I had about say less than a hundred followers on okay. my personal page. So I had no code makers and I was launching now as Stephen Campbell. I had less than a hundred followers and most of them were no coders. Doing the soft launch on Twitter, it got some traction. I was like, okay. And nobody, I, I didn't see anybody else talking about merging GPT-3 with a no-code tool. So this was the first time it was done, as far as I know. Right. And, you know, I did a post and Bubble commented on it. So you then basically took and documented your process and how you integrated Bubble and uh, the Open API. So you, I guess Open you documented API. that? Yeah. I, since then, I've had a lot of questions and I went and I did a video. I have a lot of notes on how it's very intricate. Although it's no code, there's a lot of logic involved. And I've had a lot of experiences once the user started going up that really challenged me to, as a non-coder, it, 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 there's a lot of value in coding. I'll never put down a coder because we stand on their shoulders. But it kind of pushed me to, to, to do some workflows that I never knew was possible. I have some very intricate ways of getting this thing done. And, you know, most of that will remain a secret until, you know, <laughs> time catches up with me and someone figures it out. But I, it, I did a video on it as well. And I, you know, put up a tutorial in the form of a course on Gumroad. And that has been seeing some, some traction as well. Let's take a step back. So you do virtual ghostwriter, you put it out. So you put this tool that took you a day to get done. Mm -hmm. You basically do this soft release. You put it on Twitter. It gains traction. So I'm assuming you got paid subscribers not from day on, one? Not on Twitter. So I got signups on Twitter. Okay. So nobody was paying, but people were I guess, taking the, the exploratory road there. Right. They were trying it out. By that time, I was giving persons three attempts. And they were saying, hey, this is a decent tool. But, you know, they were just tinkering around with it. Right. And then I, I said, let me try Reddit. I saw this guy, Daniel Vasayo, post on... That's the first time I was thinking about posting anything on Reddit. Mm. And I found a subreddit with GPT-3. And I made a post. And, you know, I went to sleep. And I woke up with about two subscribers. I was like, so, two, so two paid subscribers or just two paid subscribers? Okay. I was okay. Like, okay. You, got 18, you got $18 coming your way. Yeah, okay, okay. That's something. And I'm, I'm bearing in mind that these persons were opting into a monthly payment. Okay, so so this is monthly revenue. 20, monthly revenue. 20 a month. Right. So I was like, all right. <laughs> we, we can go to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. So I share the progress on Twitter, and I get a couple more subscribers. I said, okay, until I reached $100 gross revenue, monthly recurring, eventually. And, you know, I started talking about it, went on LinkedIn, did a couple more Reddit posts until I got to $200. I was like, maybe there's some value in this, you know? I said, why not make this official? And I went back and I changed some things on the app. You know, I did some upgrades, did some right. improvements, you know, made it a little bit more presentable. And I decided to launch on Product Hunt. Ah, so you took, you took the show on the road to Product Hunt. Product Hunt. 
I was like, if there's any validation, it would come from these guys at Product Hunt because they're they're not easy at all. And I did a, another launch on Product Hunt and it got eight upvotes. A previous app that I did, eight upvotes. And I was like, you know, I'm not expecting anything. <laughs> I did the launch on Product Hunt on the 30th and I went to sleep and I woke up to like Twitter notifications. Somebody messaged me and said, hey, you're... Your app got featured. And this is, this, this is somebody I don't know on Twitter. <laughs> Your app got featured on Product Hunt. When I went on to Product Hunt, number three product of the day. And that is, oh, so hold up. So that's a hard feat to even get to happen, to, to wind up number one, number two, number three. Yeah. And so you went to sleep on the 30th, but you woke up on the 31st and the world had changed. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up to so many emails because I know when someone signs up. I know when someone subscribes. Right. So I, I'm seeing subscribers coming in, signups coming in, and random emails from persons like, fix this, fix that, fix this, fix that. <laughs> and a lot of Twitter comments. And it was like 200, no, it was like 100, 100 plus upvotes. I was like, this is crazy because I thought, they, I thought I was number three the previous day. Right. So I was like, yeah, I ended number three. But then eventually I saw number four and I realized that I was in the day trying right. to, to, to make it. So I sent out an you know, a, a email blast to all of my previous users. Hey. You know, launch on Product Hunt, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Let's get this thing upvoted. And it ended at number five product of the day. And I got some strange, crazy emails. You know, persons with interest, persons trying to find trying a license. Yeah. How, I, how, how did you do this? How did you not write any code? And, and, and someone, someone on Twitter said, I thought you built this from scratch. I was like, yeah, I built it from scratch, but just without code. Yeah. <laughs> you, get you get what I'm saying? So, you know, it was, it was pretty amazing and it kind of sparked something in the no-code community. Obviously, you see all this excitement. You got emails flying around. You got requests for up upgrades and updates. But the real question is, did you go check the bank account? Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and definitely. so now where do, th so that was basically, I mean, at the time of this recording, it's January 6th. So this has all happened within right. what, a week? I, I guess what, seven to 10 business days since you right. did right. all of this stuff? Yeah, right. Exactly. And I've been having subscribers every day since then. And not only that, it's not a one-time thing. So it is a monthly subscription that people are likely to use. Now, What's interesting is, so we've talked about a bit of the monetization side, but even because I'm looking at the site now, virtualghostwriter.com, it, it really breaks down to doing three different things. So you can write an initial thought in, hit complete, and it'll spit some ideas back to you, yeah. or you can actually type in a question, hit answer, and then it spits, I guess, content back based on what you put in. And then the final thing is you can even take a, a, a long article, paste it, copy and paste it in there, hit summarize, and it'll give you a summary of that article. So there's really three different avenues. 
But knowing myself in terms of developing websites, knowing how difficult it is at times to produce content, I mean, you've pretty much instead of, you know, saying, hey, go out to Fiverr, go out to Upwork, Freelancer, whatever, go hire a team of writers, you're basically doing this using AI and the person, if they're a good editor, I mean, they can throw a couple of thoughts in there, get some content back, probably add to it, and they've got an article. Right. So there's there's this feature I launched a little bit before I did the, the product hunt where you can input sections of previously written articles mm -hmm. and get some kind of contextual output based on what you have inputted. So that's the right article section. So I've had persons reach out to me and say, hey, I just made a blog post without editing the output that I got from you know, your app. And it gave me exactly what I wanted. Now, there are some questions around that. You know, is that plagiarism? You know, because you don't know the source. And, right. and it's a very important question. Right. And I, and I bring it up because I would say the responsibility is on the author, the author to say that this was generated with AI. I think in my interview process, they made it very clear to me that their intention is not to pass something off as human. The, the concept is you generate an idea and then you go from there and you can do your content generation. Mm. Right. Yeah, that so makes sense. That makes sense. Because because you're basically saying, look, as a human, we're not off the hook right. for actually checking what we're what we're working with. Right. Um, and so even if that means, hey, you need to go cite someone else, then it's up to us to basically go do the work. Because yeah. like you said, this is just basically AI generated. So it's not saying that it's uh, uniquely generated, although. Yeah. You know, some some folks will probably argue with that. But nevertheless, it's it's a tool that basically you're offering a service right. and it's up to that end user basically to use it at their own risk. All right. So like where are things at today from a from a revenue standpoint? Because you got uh, virtualghostwriter.com that's kicking in monthly revenue. And then now you have the course. Now, does the course, is it a one time thing or is it a monthly subscription too? from a revenue standpoint? I'm just approaching the $400 monthly recurring revenue point with about 770 paying customers approaching $700 gross revenue. And interestingly enough, I've had a lot of offers related to the app. That kind of peripheral advantage right. because of what the app does. You know, I've had other offers, you know, monetary offers and you know still kind of going through those some of them have fallen through because you know it didn't quite align with where i wanted to go it's it's very interesting that this number one question came up how did you build this app without code <laughs> right? so i said i set out to answer the question but without giving away value for free I said, okay, let me just jump on the Canva, do a template or a, you know, a, a, a post advertising that content. And I kind of just say, what would be an appropriate price? I put $30 on it. And I said, I would just share this with just five first. You know, I'm, I'm giving them a time advantage, you know, right. you have to figure this out when you get access. 
<laughs> I'll share with five persons. I just made a post on Twitter. Well, first of all, someone reached out via DM and I sent them the link first. And the guy bought it right away. $30. I was like, okay. Ah, so you knew you were on to something there. Right. $30, fine. Posted it on Twitter and Bubble retweeted it. To all of their uh, followers? To about 15... Well, I don't know what the sum total is, but I know Bubble has about 15K followers. And within like 15 minutes, it was sold out. <laughs> yeah, they have like a little over 15,000 followers. So they retweet it. It sells out. And then like, what are you thinking? Like, do you reopen it or was there even a request for it? Because I said, I probably didn't think about it clearly enough. You know, maybe I should have just opened it. You know, but someone jumps into the convo section and says, hey, I am interested. Could you open this back up? I'm like, but these guys, these five guys bought it. Ah, uh, yeah. With, with a limited option. You know, they knew that it would sell out, I guess. Or they were saying that, you know, that kind of psychological impact. That, right. You know, limited. You know, let me, let me opt in. It would be unfair to open it again. True. So True. I said, okay, I have to raise Especially the at the same price. Yeah, I, I have to raise the price. So I raised the price to $60, post the link in the comment section right below the, the first post, and I get a purchase, one purchase. Okay, <laughs> fine. You, you, you seem to have bought it. I go to sleep and I wake up the next day and I'm seeing two more purchases. <laughs> I'm like, okay something is happening here and then i made the post i made the post the next day on twitter and it approaches selling out and i increased the number and i got a couple more you know opt-ins right so so currently it's it's at 450 you know and and that's the pre-order i just released it um to the persons who pre-ordered i'm about to make a post and i'm, I'm about to see where it goes i'm not sure but let's see where it goes and, and then obviously you got folks that are listening now that probably they have ideas and want to know, well, shoot, how in the world do you put uh bubble and, and, and this uh, open API? How do you integrate them together? So who knows, you know, what may happen, my man? I mean, here it is. You've gone from domain investor turned doggone domain developer, entrepreneur, all within seven to 10 business days now. Obviously, you were looking for revenue, so you you solved your capital issue to a certain extent, and it's still growing. Right. And so, how do you think that this will help you? You know, in terms of domain investing, or are you even going to look back at domain investing? Are you going to keep developing at this point? As I, as I said, I'm already sold on domain. I've seen too much. To go back. <laughs> <laughs> I am. He I said, have, "I've been exposed too much I to go back." Too much. To go back. So I'm sold on domain names, but I'm, I'm approaching now the route where I take the long road. You mm. know? I acquire a decent name. Right. And I get it into the hands of someone who is willing to pay for that value instead of being pressed it. to sell so right. quickly. Right. Ah, ah, 
I see. And so, and so really it, you, you, you've got something now that's actually working for you in terms of the course, in terms of virtualghostwriter.com. that's right. bringing in income that's allowing you to one, be able to do renewals, but as well likely to level up now and be able to step into that three, four figure range when the time's right. right. And so, you know, it's kind of coming together. It's hand, it's hand in hand, kind of the, the old hand and glove move here. Right. And I would say I'm at a point where persons wouldn't even want to share this journey because they're saying I'm not successful yet. I, I haven't seen some four figure revenue like, you know, some of these other software that service guys. And I, I'm, I'm like, it's, it's not even a risk. Right. It's not even a risk for me to say this and to talk about this, this state of the journey because I've been to a place where I didn't have the capital to even register name you know mm-hmm. it's not it's not risky for me i have nothing to lose that's what that does for you when you have nothing to lose you will share easily because i am i have seen what is possible and i'm confident that what i'm doing is going to turn over as a matter ah. of the level of success the bar of success that i have set for myself i've already gotten there Gotcha. I've, I've, I've already, in my mind, I've hit the bar and I'm now above the bar. So there's, it's not even risky for me. Man, I, I can't wait to actually check back with you here and, you know, like a year or so just to see how things are going. Uh, but wrapping up, man, what would be your advice to someone starting their journey in domain investing, domain development and or entrepreneurship? Like, where should they start? Never, never give up. You know, learn from persons in the space because there there's one guy that I follow that I've learned a lot from Daniel Vasayo. Mm. Learning the psychology of human beings, learning how people respond, learning how people buy. You know, as it pertains particularly to domain names, I would say every investor goes through that period where they hand rich. And it's it's not evil because the lessons learned from it, you know, are invaluable. You know, it's necessary. And I'm, I wouldn't give a particular strategy for anybody starting in entrepreneurship or um, starting online, but just to find that thing that you're passionate about. I'm not even able to articulate to my wife uh, what is it exactly in specific detail that I should be doing now? <laughs> I, I say to her, I want to be an internet entrepreneur, yeah. working from home and making an income, and that's it. And, and that's what you've done. I mean, if I if I if I were to put it into words, I said Stephen, he 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 stumbled up on this Node Code Makers, you know, movement, if you will, that led you to Bubble. But then you were like, well, what can I do with this thing? You took a moment to go through these couple of examples, which then sparked an idea about the, the open API. You saw and said, well, can I marry the two easily? Like you said, you were, you were a tinkerer that you married two things together and it solved a problem that people were willing to pay for. Right. Um, and, and from that standpoint, I go, man, it's like wash, rinse, repeat. How many more industries, how many more things could you actually go do that to marrying Bubble and this Open API? Right. Open, 
AI, Open AI. Oh, yeah, Open AI, sorry. Open AI has announced something recently that will blow everything out of the water. Text prompts that generate images, you know, illustrated images. And when I, when I see that, the world is now wide open to the possibilities of artificial intelligence. It's just a matter of access. And then coding would have been a hurdle. Right. And now with this concept, it's no longer a hurdle. So it's just up to your creativity. And, and, and to be very honest, capital is not a huge problem. You know, you can, with much resilience and much endurance, launch something and ship something that can be valuable to a lot of persons. So with virtualghostwriter.com, you're at the tune of roughly about $400 a month, but the expense of running a bubble is what, like $25 a month, something like that? $29 a month for, for bubble. And well, they pay, pay credits at, for, at OpenAI. But I, the way I have structured it, it more than pays for itself. Wow. That's it. Well, last but not least, I mean, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners in case they want to get a, in contact with you um, about, you know, Bubble, OpenAI, any other, you know, things in, in regards to domain investing and development? Like how, how should they go about doing so? The first thing you can do is buy my course. <laughs> <laughs> buy my course. Uh, well you know, said, businessman. Well said. I'm on LinkedIn. Stephen Campbell on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. You can follow me if you're from the domain investing community. Flip Web Domains, that's the handle, at Flip Web Domains. You can find my other contact sources at stepocampbell.com. S-T-E-P-O Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.com, stepocampbell.com. And you can, you can contact me. I'm, I will do some consultations on, you know, Bubble, OpenAI based on the, the feedback that I've been getting. Well, that's awesome. There you have it. There you have it. You hear how to get in contact. My man, he's throwing in domain investing, development. Now he's a consultant all within the last seven to 10 business days. This is awesome, Stephen. Awesome. And congratulations. So with that, we're out of time. Stephen, thank you again for joining us today and sharing your entrepreneurial experience. Thank you very much, Alvin. And thanks for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Likewise, and thank you listeners for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstartcommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks, and that's all for now.